take your Bibles this morning, open them once more to the book of James, to the fifth chapter of this great letter from Jesus' brother. This morning will be our 21st and final Sunday studying the book of James together. And I've been thinking this week over this study, and I think it's amazing as you think back how the world has changed since we started this study. Also how things have changed in our own church. So, so if you think back, now some, some of you weren't here when we started this series, but I was looking back at a specific date. Okay? The Sunday that we began studying the book of James was Sunday, November 3rd, 2019. On that particular Sunday, we had a really challenging and sad family meeting that Sunday night for our young church as we heard that one of our dear and beloved families was leaving a family that had been with us since the beginning of our church. That same night, a local older pastor that we didn't know walked into that meeting, told us that he was retiring, that his church was closing, and that he thought he could help us get the property if we wanted to pursue it. Also that month, according to many studies now, November of 2019, that uh, was the month that the first human being contracted a virus that later became known as COVID-19, a virus that's changed the world as we know it. So, so I think since the beginning of this study, the world has changed dramatically. Our church has had different transitions. And, and what I've realized this week is I've thought back through the book is how much of a blessing it's been to be in this particular book at this particular time in our world and in our church. For example, there have been many trials that we have experienced and have been experienced around the world that we never expected. And we've been getting counsel from this book about how to think about those trials. Uh, there have been lots of times in the last several months that we haven't known what to do. And we've heard James telling us, look to God and ask him in faith for wisdom to see things the way he sees them. There have been times, at least for me, when I've been tempted to sin, sometimes perhaps even to blame God for what's going on in our lives and around the world. We've heard James warn us, don't do that. God is not against us. He's never against us. God gives every good and perfect gift. And you can walk through James and you can find one way after another that God has given us just what we needed, just when we needed to hear it. From the warnings of James against all kinds of partiality, treating one person as better than another because of something external about them. We've heard James warn us, against this. We've heard him warn against speaking evil against each other in the church or judging the motives of others in the church. We've heard him give us some very humbling truths about how we don't know what a day will bring forth. We certainly didn't know what a year would bring forth. God has been speaking to our hearts by his spirit over these many months through this book, and today we come to the last two verses. 
one of the most powerful conclusions to any New Testament book. You know, a lot of New Testament letters, they end with something like, grace to you. That's, and that's great. That's great. But this book does not end that way. Let's take a look at the last two verses. James chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. James says, My brothers, or my brothers and sisters, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wander will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Now this letter is touched on lots of different things. But more than anything else I've tried to show us, this letter is a call to authentic Christianity. And one thing we've been reminded of is that while authentic Christianity is always personal, it's never private. It's not private. Authentic Christianity is always lived out in real life, in community. Particularly in the community of those who profess faith in the same glorious Lord, Jesus Christ. That's why there's been so much in James about how we care for each other, how we think about each other, how we talk about each other, how we pray for each other. And now we get one more thing about authentic Christianity. Authentic Christianity isn't merely about following Jesus yourself as an individual. It also is about pursuing other people so that they keep following Jesus with you. True Christians don't look out only for their own interests or only for themselves. They look out for the well-being and the good of all of their brothers and sisters, especially when those brothers and sisters are going towards danger. Look again at the verses, verse 19 and 20. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the church and someone brings them back, let them know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. So I, I want to I walk through the text carefully. I want you to track with me so we make sure we get what James is saying. So just to think of a couple of pretty simple questions. First of all, who is James talking to? In this, in this text. So he's talking specifically to the family of God. Right? He's talking to us. Is that my brothers and sisters? This is about a call to us. The family of faith. He's, and notice, he's not just talking to pastors. He's talking to all of those in the family. But we got to go a little further than this. When he talks about someone who is wandering away, who does he have in mind? Who's he talking about? Look again. It says, if anyone among you wanders. You see that? Anyone among us here wanders away. <clears throat> Who's he thinking about? Specifically, a brother or sister who's starting to drift away from Jesus, who's been with us, but who is starting to wander away. In other words, this is not a passage 
about pursuing everybody in the world. Although, by all means, go and bring anybody you can find to Jesus, right? That's always a good thing. But this text is specifically about when someone among us starts to drift away from Jesus. And then here's the big question. What, what should we do when we see that starting to happen? If anyone among you wanders away and someone brings him back, that's what the whole goal of this passage is. Right there. That's what James wants you to see. If you see a brother or sister wandering from the truth, wandering away from Jesus, wandering away from the kinds of things James has been talking about, there's something we cannot do. What is that? We cannot, we must not do nothing about it. Doing nothing is not an option. That's at the heart of all that he's saying. You see somebody beginning to wander, and someone brings him back. That's the goal. It's to challenge somebody who isn't wandering right now to bring that someone who is back home. Now, we can't be naive about this. This situation will happen among us because Christians will wander away from time to time because we're all still engaged in a fight against sin. None of us here has arrived, and you got to realize not one of us here is above drifting away. I'm not. You're not. There's not one Christian alive today who is above drifting away from Jesus someday. So James says, if anyone among you begins to drift and you bring that wanderer back, know this. That's where he's going. The rest of the text He's going to try to encourage you with what God could do if, if you just bring that person back. That's what verse 20 is all about. But the blessings of that last verse of the book only happen if we, first of all, go after the wanderer. If we pursue the drifter in love. So this is all about how we can't let each other go. And I want you to think about this. If, if you... If you were wandering away from Jesus to your own destruction, wouldn't you want someone to go after you? To chase after you in love and to do whatever they could to bring you back? If you say, I wouldn't want that, that there's, a, there's something seriously wrong in your heart about that. Like if you wouldn't, want that. But if you would want that, as I hope we all would, then to love our brother or our sister as ourselves means we have to go after them too. To just let somebody in the family walk away from Jesus without fighting for their soul, without pleading with them to come back to Jesus what kind of love is that? That's not covenant love. That's not real love. That's cheap love. Real love is shown when we pursue the wanderer and call them home. And this, this comes back ultimately 
This comes back ultimately to what we think the church uh, even is. I don't know what you think about the church. Some of you uh, are, you know, we have many here who are, who are members of the church. So we've talked through these things. Others may be just visiting and, and uh, we're so thankful for anyone. Some of you may be watching uh, today on our live stream. And I don't know what you think the church is, but this text comes back to what you think the church is. Like if the, for the things in this text to make sense, it only makes sense if you have Jesus' view on the church. The, the church isn't some sort of volunteer organization where we can just come and go. Some sort of volunteer social club that we can just join in when it's convenient and walk away from whenever we want. I mean, think about it. Did Jesus really die for that? To create that, an optional, no-commitment volunteer club? Did Jesus shed his blood for that? Now, the church is a band of brothers and sisters bought by the blood of Jesus. One body bound together in all of the deepest ways. Not by background, ethnicity, personality, bound together by our one Lord, our one faith, all sharing the same Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus envisioned from the time he called the very first band of brothers together in the Gospels. He was uniting them, not just to himself, but to each other for life. For better or worse, those guys were being bound together by Jesus for life. And not surprisingly, since we've been in James a long time, what James says here is just like what his brother Jesus said. Remember the text that Tommy read from Matthew chapter 18? It was about the kind of community that Jesus wanted to create. A community where if your brother or your sister sins, you go and you, you tell them their fault privately and you try to bring them back to Jesus. And if they won't listen to you, you go with some other brothers or sisters and, and you go after them and, and in humility you try to bring them back. And if they won't listen to you, you, the whole church goes after them in love to try to bring them back. I mean, just from that picture, you can hear what kind of community Jesus died to make. He envisioned a kind of commitment in this new community where true disciples could not and would not just let their brothers go to their own destruction. And that is exactly what James is picking up on here in the last verses of the book. Authentic Christians don't let their brothers or sisters just walk away from Jesus without loving, compassionate, courageous pursuit. Now we come to the last verse of James, where James shares with us what happens when God, through us, brings the wanderer home. I'll look at the text again, but this time focus on verse 20. Verse 19, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings them back, know this, whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save that sinner's soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Last week we saw the power of prayer, how prayer can produce powerful fruit. So can pursuing wandering brothers and sisters. It's never easy 
And there's no guarantee that our love and pursuit will always turn out the way that we wish. But we can pursue with hope. With hope in God, that God can work, and that God can use us as a means of His grace to preserve His wandering son, His wandering daughter. I mean, just look at what James says of what God can do. He can save that sinner's soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. And what he says there, you may have questions about it, what he says there about sparing the sinner from death fits right in line with what he said in the first chapter. Remember how he described how sin works and where it leads? Because each, each person is tempted when? When we're drawn away by the desires of our own hearts and we're enticed to do something. And then that desire conceives and it brings forth, it gives birth to sin. And, it, and as sin grows and matures, where does sin always lead? Sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. This is the story of the Bible on sin. The end game of sin is always death. The path of sin is the path to death. This is the story of the Bible about sin. Sin leads, in the end, always to death. And so James says, when you see a brother or a sister that you love, starting down the path to sin, which in the end is the path to death. Know this, if you bring that person back, you'll save that soul from where sin always leads in the end, to death. But it's not just that. James also adds that we can be used by God to cover a multitude of sins. What does that mean? To cover a whole bunch of of sins. That's what God can do through you when you bring a wanderer home. He can cover tons of sins. What does that mean? I, I think there's a there's a probably two parts to this. One is that when we turn a, a wanderer from Jesus back to Jesus and away from their sins, that wanderer will find what? forgiveness and covering for all that they've done. I mean, think about it. Think of what we have to offer a brother or sister who's drifting from Jesus, no matter what they've done or how far they've drifted. We can assure them that if, if you'll just if you'll just turn back to Jesus, if you'll if you'll let go of the sins that you're pursuing and turn back to Jesus, I can assure you, your sins can be covered through Jesus. And I want to speak to you who might be hearing this, who know very well that you are currently drifting. You've been wandering from Jesus, perhaps secretly, chasing the path of sin, or perhaps you're just starting to follow the lust of your heart for revenge against somebody, or for power, or for some sort of sexual sin. If you'll turn to Jesus in humility and honesty, those sins can be covered before you leave. Whoever brings back a wanderer, cover a multitude of sins. And part of what that means, 
I think, is that all the sins that the wanderer's been chasing can be forgiven. But I think there's another aspect to this. One other idea. And it's that when we turn a wanderer back to Jesus, that wanderer will not only be forgiven for what they've already done, they will be spared by God's grace from the multitude of sins that they haven't done yet. By getting involved now, by not waiting, by pursuing your brother or sister in Christ now, not later, you can be involved in preventing a multitude of sins that haven't even been done yet. What I'm getting at is the idea that sin always leads to more sin. The longer someone goes down the path to sin, the worse it always gets. It never gets any better. As one guy says, there's always room for deprovement when it comes to sin. Sin always leads to more sin. And yet, I think for many of us, if, if we've been Christians for a while, there is a real temptation to not get involved until things are so far gone. Until the marriage is almost gone. Until the person's life has almost been ruined before we'll get up the courage to actually get involved. I think part of what James is offering us here is the hope of sparing the wandering brother or sister from a multitude of sins that they haven't even done yet. And perhaps you've experienced this yourself, where you were, you were just getting started down a path that you knew you shouldn't go, and somebody brought you back. Some brother, some sister spoke in love into your life and you woke up. God struck your heart and stopped you in your tracks. Where would that sinful path have led you? Had nobody gotten involved? Had no one had the love or the courage to speak and to call you back to Jesus? We can imagine, but only God really knows where it would end up. But know this, wherever those sins would have led in the end, you were spared from them by the loving pursuit of a faithful friend. And, just, and then you just think of how God could use us to bring another wanderer home. Think of what it could mean for their life, for their family, for their future. Think of what it could mean for the church the heartaches that could be spared. Think of what it could mean for the testimony of Jesus, who's represented by that brother or that sister. As we read about this morning, and I don't know if you were able to follow the, the whole story there in 2 Samuel 14, that text I read earlier, but I read that because I wanted us to see something about God. That God is a God who figures out ways to bring the vanished home. Or to think specifically of our sermon today, God's a God who knows how to bring drifters back. And what we gather from our text today is that one of God's ways, maybe his main way to do that, is to use us to bring the drifters back home. And that responsibility is a weighty one. And it falls on all of us who belong to this church. It's not only the responsibility of pastors for taking that. This responsibility falls on all of us. 
This is what Jesus envisioned for us. That we be a church family where we never let one of the family members simply walk away from Jesus. Not without tears. Not without fight. Not without loving, compassionate, courageous pursuit. This is part of our vision for the church. That the vision statement that just lays out the aims of our church. So we long to be a church whose membership is deeply committed by covenant to each other. And what would that look like? This is what's written. We long to be a church where every member's needs are deeply cared for and where no member is ever left alone simply to wander away from the faith. The pastors have a responsibility in this, but as James has shown us today, we all share it. This is a serious call. But isn't it a joyful why? I mean, think about this. As you think about our church and about being a covenant member in this body, maybe you are, maybe you're thinking about that. I hope it's a joy to think about this text and to know that by God's grace, there will be brothers and sisters here who won't just let you go if you start to wander from Jesus. I hope you know you have a church family that loves you and cares for your soul. And that should bring you joy. But also, I hope this text is joyful because you've seen what God can do through you and through us when we pursue each other in love. God can spare our brothers and sisters from death and cover a multitude of sins. But lastly, I hope it's a joy to think about this today because I hope it reminds you that before you or I ever went out in pursuit of bringing somebody back to God, God had already sent out his son in pursuit of you. All that we do for others who are wandering has already been done first for us. Jesus came to seek and to save what was lost. He came to go after us, the one sheep that had wandered away his son who had lost his way. And Jesus never stopped. He went all the way to death, even death on a cross, to bring the wanderer home. And he did this not just for some of his brothers and sisters. He did it for all of us. He died for a soul, the just for the unjust, to bring us back to God. For you were like sheep, straying, now you've returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls, Peter tells us. Jesus was God's ultimate means to bring the banished home. And when we go after our brother or sister that he died for, in love and compassion and with some courage, we're joining in the work of Jesus. We're helping to bring into reality what Jesus envisioned he was dying to make. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this text, for this book. You have blessed us beyond measure with the truths of this book, helping us through a tough year. And I pray helping us today for the days ahead. Today we may think of 
some from our midst who are maybe wandering away. I pray you'd stir up our love to go after them in love. Perhaps some today are wandering and are hearing this. I pray you bring them back to your word. And Lord, I pray that you'd deepen the bonds of this church family that we would love one another. That there would never be one among us who starts drifting, who has no one going after them. I pray that by your grace you would preserve your people through the love that you give us by your spirit for each other. We pray this in Jesus' name.